Jack Bauer fan? Jack is not back, but 24 is, in the form of 24 Legacy. It's time for more 24 Legacy, which means it's time for more 24 fans. Check out the best 24 fans appreciating 24 Legacy now over at 24LegacyFans.com. That's 24LegacyFans.com. S.H.I.E.L.D. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, S.H.I.E.L.D., the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. We've been asking what is the framework. But the bottom line is this. What do you do when you can trust no one? It's a question that's asked inside of cinema and television programs aplenty. But inside this most recent episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC, we find an even more horrifying answer to a question no one can initially answer. It's not the invasion of the body snatchers. It's not the planet of the killer robots. It's time for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete detailed and always educational review of each and every episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC. This time, Season 4, Episode 15, Self-Control, here on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, we're hurtling towards a mid-season breakness that will matter nothing to anybody listening to this podcast in the future. No. But I wanted to make sure that I mentioned that there will be an impenetrable screen of six weeks of nothingness for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They're taking yet another break <laughs> because why not? agents get tired. Yeah, that's right. You, you do a lot of heavy lifting as an agent, so they're going to take another little break. But then when they come back, it's seven straight episodes racing right to the end. Yeah, and that's exciting. And even more exciting for those of you that just listen to this podcast as a companion podcast, perhaps in future years, as most people do. But remember, you can get everything that you're looking for, regardless of which Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode you want to listen to, over at agentsofshield.tv. Be sure you check it out. Before we get started for this episode, a quick little bit of housekeeping. The only man to be murdered by a predator, an alien, and a Terminator. We have been so lucky inside this program to be graced by the sadly now late Bill Paxton. Yeah. This was quite a blow. And, you, you know, I think before Bill died from complications from heart surgery recently, I don't think any of us would have thought anything about the words death and Bill Paxton together at all. Yeah. He's always been a spry spirit, regardless of whatever role he was in. There was always something that manufactured a realm of not agelessness, but something way younger than what he was even depicting in, say, Big Love. Mm. And that he's gone is even more horrifying 
because gone too are so many times of joy and enthusiasm and awe that we got not only from his portrayals inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but so many other feature films and television programs that Bill had the wonderful presence to grace during his career. Uh, a very thick career, for sure, and a bold one that I don't know any of us can really mention enough to give him the appropriate props that he deserves. There aren't enough words. It's it, All we can really say is, we're going to miss you, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad that we got him inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. His demise inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was absolutely appropriate for the character that he played inside the series. Season one bad guy. I mean, uh, come on. It brought Coulson and Nick Fury back together again. Yeah, yeah. just uh, amazing to go into a piece of nostalgia and know that he's included inside the Marvel cone of history and nostalgia is uh, inspiring. And so, again, our thanks to actor Bill Paxton gone way too soon at age 61. The Twister Perspective Review. We've already talked about the wonder of Bill Paxton, but Twister really did make a platform for Bill Paxton, tornadic weather activity monitoring, and a platform for a variety of other actors inside that movie that have now gone on to many, many great things, oh, yeah. including the also sadly late Philip C. Hoffman, uh, who, believe it or not, was in there as Greenage Dude. Uh, a very strange role for him, but I wanted to make sure we talked about Twister, not just because Bill Paxton was in it, but because that perspective review that I did with Jim Sharp from Aegis Emergency Management here in the St. Louis area outside of Wentzville is an extraordinary piece of information for anybody anywhere currently, in particular inside the United States where tornadic and inclement weather affects all of us, regardless of what town or city you're in. Right. Used to be there was a stripe running along the Midwest that you had to make sure you weren't in at the wrong months to avoid tornadic activity. And that's just not the case anymore. You, It can happen just about anywhere. And especially with the very strange weather we've been having lately, I wanted to make sure that in addition to honoring a great actor, Bill Paxton, we were also helping you to become more educated about inclement weather, in particular, tornadic activity, which is so deadly. It's at least as deadly as any of the characters inside our current series of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Be sure to check that out over at twoguystalking.com forward slash twister and learn more about tornadoes and how you and your neighbors can survive should one occur. Nick, enough of this housekeeping stuff. It's time for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, this time focusing on Season 4, Episode 15, Self-Control. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. What does the superior become? This is very interesting, and where I'm going with it, because you are an excellent wealth of knowledge when it comes to comic bookdom. But I'm curious whether you can answer this, or if someone else can answer this. If the superior was actually a comic book character inside of the Marvel Universe on the page, what did the superior become, if anything? Do you know? There's a lot of speculation. From what I understand, the superior does not exist in comics. Okay. And if he does, please somebody correct me. And I really hope he's a lot cooler in the comic books, because he's not all that uh, no, not all that intimidating in the show. He's not intimidating, but I do have to congratulate the writers on giving him anything at this point inside of this episode. It could have been incredibly 
lame to be straightforward. Yeah. And it, I don't think that it was. I think that there was no. just enough play going on here, and then the the final exodus inside the episode of that was great. Well, yeah, the the end of the episode gives you hints to what the character may become, or hints to what future characters could be introduced in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe in general. Mm -hmm. But again, a lot of speculation, no real answers. That's really where we lean on you guys as usual. We're curious what you know about the superior and whether he becomes something else. Be sure to let us know what you know by going to our website over at twoguystalking.com. Click anywhere where you see the contact form. Fill it out and let us know what you know. The creep factor of knowing everyone has been replaced. Something that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been delivering like butter mm. and regular is compressed storytelling. And traditionally, inside of a 43-minute episode of a series that's ongoing on a network television show, I would tell you that 43 minutes is not nearly enough to be able to give us something where everybody has been replaced and give us anything satisfying out of it. Once again, I am absolutely wrong because yeah. it is incredibly successful. Whoever they got writing these this last series of maybe five or six episodes, the compressed storytelling ability inside of it is beyond magical. They deliver not only salient points, but good, solid, running storytelling that is so hard. This is not easy stuff. Mm. Uh, you and I can point to any one of a number of different television programs that we're watching regularly during the week that are trash and just do not have the power, uh, in particular the ability to push the pace like this program does, and that they do it so regularly but are able to make something that, you know, you've got to lay the groundwork for people being replaced, except no, you don't. Right. Uh, amazing stuff here. I really appreciated it. Well, this episode... Actually, and I'm sure that he had a hand in all of the episodes, but this episode in particular is credited directly to Jed Whedon mm. for both writing and directing. Okay, and you can you can definitely tell because this episode had a a different pacing and style, completely to completely different flair. I totally yeah. agree with that. Uh, Not even, saying that that was a bad thing. No, I'm just saying you, no. could, you could tell that because of the subject matter, yeah. there was a it swimmy, had a different tone to it. Yeah, there was a swimmy, floaty-ness that was going on inside this episode that I can't quite articulate yet. But the cool part is, and what I love about, the again, the chemistry set of two guys talking no matter what the flavor, you and I are going to dig down deep enough that we'll be able to articulate it towards the end of this episode. Yes. <laughs> The value of future marathon watching. Man, this is going to rock for those of you that happen to be watching this in a future capacity where you are rifling through each of these episodes because the way that this one begins and ends and is attached to the program before it and after it, it's going to be striking unless they really just do a piss poor job inside the next episode. <laughs> I'm telling you, the end of this one glides so directly into the next one mm -hmm. and grafts itself completely to the previous one. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful experience for anybody watching uh, this and then listening to this podcast in the future. It's really going to be satisfying. This episode had the ca the, the caliber of a season ender. Yes, I agree I with mean, that. It felt like this was your, your season ender cliffhanger and you have to wait four or five months for the show to come back. Now, luckily, we only have to wait six weeks, but... Still, it felt like, oh, well, okay, 
see you next fall, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Except that we don't got to wait till next fall. No, we don't. The snowballing LMD factor. This is extraordinary. You might think that, oh yeah, it's just going to conjure another machine, and then another one, and then another one. Man, that's stupid. And when I originally started learning that everybody's getting replaced, I had a whole bunch of that. I'm like, oh, well, that's really original. Right. They're making yet another LMD that's going to replace this dude, and then this dude, and then this dude. Oh, that's stupid. Except that it's not stupid. None of this is stupid. And what I really loved about the snowballing LMD factor is if you can essentially make what was a room of daisies, holy shit. Yeah. That's when it really hit me. Uh, it was before then, but the, the snowballing factor of, my God, the LMDs are taking over. Uh, I can remember you and I specifically talking about the killer robot nest factor three, four episodes now when yeah. we started the whole LMD echelon. And... Again, it's something that could have just splashed so awkwardly and made a thud, and it hasn't. It is this glorious, thunderous cannonball dive, and the splash that's happening from it is just fun to watch in slow motion. I, I really enjoyed the fact that they pile on this LMD-ness inside this, this episode. It's really well done. I could say something right now, but I'm going to save it for later because I just realized it right now. Mm -hmm. It goes into the villain factor, how this show has had, uh, with a handful of exceptions, has had better villains than some of the cinematic films. I totally agree with that. And the, what I also ask when you say something like that is, why on earth can we not get a writer or someone that comes in and script doctors some of the scripts inside of what we see inside of Marvel filmmaking? Because I loved me some Ant-Man. Uh, future perspective review, we are going to do. Right. But I hated me the end of Ant-Man. Seriously. Mm. And the only, reason, the only reason is because of the lackluster villain. Well, he's that, basically that's why the I hated same the villain film. from the end of Iron Man. Yes. I mean, he's basically yeah. Obadiah Stane. Yeah. Only a different technology. Right. Really, that's what it is. And I think one of the things that we're lucky with where television is concerned is the ability to stretch out character development. One would think a talented writer can give you enough character development to where you care about all of your characters in a hour, 45 minute block for a film. Sometimes that ain't the case. Sometimes we're more focused on your hero character or the origin story of the hero character. Or the blah, splashy special effects need right. that needs right. to be inside of something. I, I, to, I totally agree with that. And I think that's what I really appreciate about this, is that if we go back and look at the special effects that are going on inside this episode, vast majority are practical. Mm. Vast majority, when they are special effects, are so small, you probably don't even notice yeah. what's going yeah. on. So well, we're going to hit all those factors, but that, that's a really great point, and I can't wait to come back to your villain point. <laughs> The Fitzsimmons confrontation scene. I, I know everybody's saying, well, which one? But I'm talking about the initial one where they're both not sure if either of them are an LMD. It is so extraordinary to know that I am not kidding. The end of season one, if we'd have thrown Fitz into a meat grinder, I wouldn't have cared less. Towards the middle of season one, if we'd have taken Fitz and Simmons and throwing them both in a meat grinder, I'm like, 
Is it done yet? I've got a nice grilled with butter bun to eat them. I don't care. Now, when you look at this scene, it is extraordinary what they've built both in regard to characters, but also the acting power of these two actors. Again, as an actor, and I know you'll appreciate this because you are one also, I don't think anybody understands how difficult this scene would have been to film. Like, at all. This scene could have been filmed very simply, and it would have sucked Mm -hmm. if you didn't have the proper director and two actors that can pull it off. Because and, and that's the thing. You could have the best special effects, the best lighting. The, you could have the best crew around you. But if you have two actors who can't deliver a line of dialogue to save their life, doesn't matter. It's right. going to suck. Yes. But this, again, where this show is concerned, and I've said it before, and I will continue to say it until it proves me wrong. Mm-hmm. Lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Every yeah. single episode so far that we've reviewed, almost since the middle of last season, mm-hmm. There's always a lightning in a bottle moment where you have the perfect storm of events, the right words delivered by the right actor or actors in the perfect setting of a scene. And it's boom. And this right here, by far, steals the show. I love it. Uh, any any film where you can, like, whether it's some sort of abduction film or aliens taking over or any piece of m- one of my favorite films, The Thing. Mm, where yes. everybody trusts nobody. This stands up to any scene inside of there, except for maybe the springing of spider legs out of the head moment. Oh, yeah. But it, it, that's something completely different. But the, the you, can, you can trust nobody factor inside of this episode, in particular this scene, is just, it's completely off the chart. Mm. The stabby McStab scene. I use the words stabby McStab lovingly because my original 24 podcast host, Tony Lavasco, would use it regularly whenever anybody got stabbed. <laughs> oh, the stabby McStabby scene. Yes, that's the one. This is horrifying. This is another residual value of why this program is on later because the scene I'm referring to is when, without seeing the actual penetration, which, by the way, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, is what is the tip-over factor traditionally for an R-rated film. Mm-hmm. I don't think people know that. Uh, inside this scene, the outright stabby stabbing of, oh, please don't do this, you know, it's me, and then his face going absolute robot where it doesn't mean anything to him at all, and he realizes that no matter how much he pleads, she's not going to stop, and you being able to see that on the Fitz LMD face mm. is horrifying. It is a horrifying moment inside of this Oh, the comic book show on ABC. Right, yeah. And yeah. It, it, it is a completely different flavor that gives you another wonderful slab of meat inside the Stabby McStab moment. Yeah, have you heard the one about walking into a room of yourself? This is amazing. You talk about really great, not needless special effects. Mm-hmm that are pulled off perfectly. This is it. This is it. All the crap that got awards inside the Academy Awards this last week, in particular, the previous awards inside of the Emmys, where was this show? Mm. Where was this show? Because this scene alone inside of the special effects that are pulled off here, again, in an episode that is not full of special effects. Right. And other previous episodes, where on earth is this show? Because the room full of daisies scene is magical. 
Well, I'll trump you one. You 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 say where is this show when it comes to getting nominated for special effects? Where is this show for nominations for writing? This was a twist. Up until this moment, we didn't know that Daisy wasn't an LMD. Daisy's still Daisy. We got an M Night Chimichanga type twist here, folks. And this could be the thing that turns the tide. We got a superhero. We've got our inhuman character that could actually that actually has powers that could take on some killer robots. Yeah, this is awesome, and also one of the reasons why I can remember specifically one of our co-hosts and many other podcasts, Kip Lewis. Kip Lewis had talked about what this program needed, and what he, what he said was on top of the list, without question, bar none, was that there needed to be a powered hero, mm-hmm. whether it was somebody that existed, like a Deathlock insert, right, or right, right. one of the existing characters that had been somehow morphed, i.e. the Chrysalis, and then into Inhuman Blah. And it has. It has paid off wonderfully in spades across two at least whole seasons. It's been really great. And is it comes to a wonderful head inside this scene with the room full of daisies. Liquidate mode. When Mac LMD comes in to find Daisy slash Quake and she waits and he goes and begins to take out the wrong one. And then Daisy turns around and, and, and quakes him. I'm telling you, I would not be the best person to have quake powers. Because me, I'm liquidating me some robot. I'm not, I'm not turning off the power until my arms snap off or that thing is a puddle of goo. And we'll get more into more of that later on inside this episode for sure. That's what I was looking for. Was I was looking for, there is no way that that robot is going to take her on after she gets done with him. And they didn't do it. And I was curious as to why until later on in the episode. Right. Uh, this I think this was the only time during the episode where I was yelling at my television, no, no, destroy them, Daisy. <laughs> destroy them all. Yeah. She walks out of that room. She's escaped from Mac. But those rooms. Room full the, of daisies, right. Yeah, they're still. Right. I'm like, what What are you doing? Shake, rattle, and roll, yeah. girl. Yeah. And I understand yeah. later why she didn't do that. But at the time, I'm like, okay, well, this this is just stupid. Yeah, I, I, it was maddening. But again, I, I think I was still bowled over by the quality of what we were looking at. I mean, I'm serious. There was no there was no seam anywhere inside of anything we were watching inside of any camera mm. angle. It was all just brilliantly done. And then, again, the reason I, only reason I mentioned liquidate mode is because I would have. I would not have let off a Mac until he's a puddle of goo. <laughs> The we have to scan everyone moment. This is wonderful because I have envisioned this inside of many a movie, especially horror films, where it comes, you realize that you can trust no one. And the only way you're going to be able to try and stomach through all of it is to scan everyone or check everyone. Or in the case of getting a thing, everybody gets a blood test period paragraph. Everybody in that room. Right. We've all had that moment. It's where it's where your brain instantly engages itself, and you go, "What has to happen next to make sure that so and so character is a legitimate character and not someone that's been replaced or an alien or whatever?" Yeah. And I love that they pay this off so quickly. It's instantaneous. They go, oh "My God, we've got to scan everybody," and then all hell breaks loose right there and then. You don't traditionally see that inside of that scene either. There's usually a at least a couple of beats or even a, a half a scene goes by where they're setting up the testing. You don't have any of that here. Two agents completely dispatched in seconds after this. 
And I, I love that, uh, that it was also so visceral. You instantly get a dude shot clearly in the chest, in the heart. And then the other guy, the gun's empty, and so Phil LMD just turns the gun around and beats him, beats his skullcap open. Man, super visceral, especially for a television show on network television, but again, promoting that wonderful, horrifying effect of this episode. The robot attack is, is, is shocking, the way that it went down, but then for the very next scene to be, all right, we got LMDs on the premises, it's Agent Daisy and Agent Simmons. Take them down, they're, they're LMDs. Usually in a show with this or a show movie whatever in this setup, it's you don't know who the bad guy is, who the creature is, who the killer robot is, and you're all assuming that you can trust everybody but trust no one. This is a case where you know the people giving the orders are the bad guys. Mm -hmm. So now you're just waiting for the other people who don't know what the hell's going on, the other agents, to piece everything together or make the colossal screw up and actually kill somebody. Yeah, yeah. So now again, a, yeah. another ticking clock of which agent's going to pull on which of our heroes and who's going to get hurt. Down goes Radcliffe. Raw. Wow. Obviously, a completely different show. Obviously, not nearly as raw as the HBO-based program, Oz. But this is where you take a character that is absolutely thick in the mix of what's going on inside of storytelling, mm -hmm. and you murder him outright on screen. Just yeah. done. And raw. You know, there's one thing of killing a dude on screen that has been with you for 10 episodes, 12 episodes, whatever it is. And... Then how raw the scene was, where he's picked up by the neck and shoved into the unit, and the camera angle is such that you can just, you, it's clear right in front of you, bottom right hand of the screen. Here's this gaping, bloody wound that he's bleeding out on, and then you, it, the, entire, the entire span there is, is clear and in focus, and you can see him just, life bleeding out of him. Incredibly visceral. And a definitive shocker that was, I think, really outside the box shocker. Because all of us have seen the evil robot that finally decides that it's time to do what the evil robot's supposed to do, i.e. be evil and kill everybody. And it, this is so much above that, that I don't have the words to explain how much above it is. It, it's just incredibly well done. Well, the, thing, the thing about this scene, it's very Frankenstein as well. Oh, I agree with that. Very I agree with that. Creation kills creator, but it's, it's also, a different. It's, a, it's also contemplative. Well, it's there's also a, there, it's, there's it, a thinking piece here instead of just hey look it's a predator ripping through people. Right, right. This, I, this I really enjoy a, that. This was a more logical based. It, it wasn't murder in Ada's eyes. This was the solution to her program. Piece of problem. the process, right? Yeah. It's it's not out of malice. It's not out of hate. It's not a part of the agenda. It's just something that she has to do to continue her programming. Yeah, yeah. But, and I don't know if it's because it's deliberately delivered this way by the actress, if this was planned, Ada has become more and more creepy when it comes to feelings and emotion. She doesn't express any of those things. But you can tell that she's trying to wrap her, her robot brain around those things. 
These are all the pieces of what I really did want to see inside of the Ultron story for the Avengers. I wanted to see something way more than just evil robot wants to destroy and, and liquidate everybody on the planet. And this is that story, This but it's is the that way story. I want the story told. Well, you brought it up, so I'll talk about it here. I was going to save this for my dossier, but uh, this goes into my whole villain's point I mentioned earlier. Uh, this season of Agents should have led into Ultron. Mm -hmm. The Ada story is the evolution of what Ultron should have been. Right. Instead of just throwing a character that had a really cool name in the comic books and tossing it in to be your next big bad guy for your team characters to fight, you should have developed something. Yeah, yeah. It should have been a plan that grew to something like this. Yeah. It's almost as if we're, we're doing it in reverse. This story arc in the show came out of things from Age of Ultron. And I think it should have been reversed. We should have had Ultron being developed through a season, maybe even a season and a half of a TV show, and then go on to be the big bad to where, oh, well, our TV series heroes can't take it. Let's the, uh, the Avengers are gonna have to step in. Yeah, I think this is one of the exceptions where they have dropped the ball, completely dropped the ball where the television and the movies are concerned. Because again, you know, all under one house, but not everybody in the house is listening to each other. And it, it's, a, it's a wasted opportunity. But the movie's loss is our gain. Totally. Because we are having an awesome season where Ada and the LMDs are concerned. Saying it all out loud, and not making it a sacrifice scenario. This is another extraordinary piece. This whole scene with not LMD Daisy and not LMD Simmons is an extraordinary scene for both actors and the series. And again, I we all can list at least four different television shows that are absolute dreck mm. that are on any channel that you want right now, whether it be a network station or inside of some of the premium cable channels that are just terrible. When you see stuff like this scene, you have got to take your hat off to this program. Uh, it's so short, it's so impactful. The whole, both of them embracing and just that low, low rumble shudder that you hear from Daisy's power that allays all of Simmons's fears here. I, I don't have a way to explain how impactful this scene is except for people to watch it and experience it. Right. This is on par with the Fitz and Simmons scene earlier in the episode. Of, you're the LMD. No, you're the LMD. This, this is that scene played out yet again, only now Gemma doesn't know. She just does not know. She doesn't know who to trust. She doesn't even know if she can trust herself. Yeah. And that's, that's probably the scariest thing for her. Mm -hmm. And luckily enough, Daisy, who also just been thrown into this situation, doesn't know who she should trust as well, mm -hmm. is willing to, in a way, sacrifice herself to test out the theory. I'll show you that I'm real, but I have to know that you're real too. And if either one of them did not have a level of trust for the other character, just just one, one little, one ounce less, somebody could have gotten hurt. Somebody, somebody could have died yeah, easy. during that right there. Easy, but yeah. luckily enough, and, 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 you know, another thing that I, I love about this show, and especially scenes like this, 
we have been introduced to a lot of strong female characters. Oh, yeah. And it's nice to also know that those strong female characters are vulnerable. Because we've done it with the men as well. We have shown very strong male characters be vulnerable as well. And I like I like the fact that we are equal opportunity where that, where that is concerned. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's enough shows out there that do that. Oh, you got your strong female character, but she's never down. She never she never crumbles under pressure. She'll never cry. No, I. It, well, then she's not human. She's an LMD. You got to have your characters, both male and female. You got to show a little humanity, or else who cares? The shotgun versus liquefy mode. I was ready to hate on this. <laughs> I was so ready to hate on this. Daisy comes in and she is in full out shotgun destroy the LMD mode. When in reality, we know that the shotgun will do nothing to the LMD. And then we get further through and uh, holy shit. <laughs> it is true liquefy mode, which is, you know, I don't know that you and I often have spectrum discussions about things in life. But see, I would be starting at this level if I had Daisy's powers in almost every single instance. I don't want to deal with a bunch of BS. I want I want what I need to have happen right now. Gotcha. And so I would start with the cultivating the ball of energy in my, my bosom and destroying everything like this. There's no question. Uh, but wow. She does not have her gauntlets. So she mm. is in, mm. in she is risking damaging herself moving forward after leaving the room of hers after taking down mac lmd and the room of copies of hers she has no protection from her power and that's another thing that i really uh, enjoy about her character is that she does have limits you can't just have ultimate power and not have any right. kind of limits. It's not to it. just Superwoman, and now she can do whatever she wants. Exactly. Today. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. Give her some limitations to where, when she overcomes those limitations in moments like this, it makes it that more impactful. And that's what you have to think about during this scene. It's the fact that she's risking life and limb, limb, <laughs> literally, literally limb, mm-hmm. to be able to push forward with the plan of escaping and getting the hell out of there, and. It, it she they pull it off fabulously. The reason shotgun came before liquefy mode and shooting Daisy. Now this might sound like we're just repeating ourselves, but clearly after liquefy mode happens, you <laughs> now understand completely why she started with shotgun. Right. Now what I also thought was going to happen was she was going to intentionally get herself captured, which again they mystify all of us and avoid that one Mm -hmm. how many television shows and movies and horseshit ploys have we seen over the last year where a part of the plan is to get captured sure it happens all the time over on uh, 24 legacy (laughs) and i'm so glad that we didn't have to bother with that you did not have to bother with it and so they didn't that was great the other thing that is completely outside of the box is all right daisy's awesome and get shot yeah (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Again, putting our people in peril is something that is absolutely needed, especially inside of an episode that is as differently carved outside the box as this one is. And it it couldn't get more dire than, hey, look, Daisy's bleeding to death. Yeah. 
tremendous here and a great little cup of gasoline thrown onto a fire that you thought was extinguished. Mm. I thought that was tremendous. She may make a decision she has to live with forever. Wow. The revelation moment of any robot that you've ever seen in film is equally addressed inside of this episode of this stupid little comic book series on network television. Seriously. I'm trying to remember the, the revelation moment like this inside of a major motion picture that impacted me as much as this one. Mm. And I, I don't have it off the top of my head. I don't. The, the sacrifice piece of the plan, the self-protection piece of the plan, the realizing that there is no future at all piece of the plan for a robot and then making the call to do this where Nay, the LMD, blows up her and Nay Coulson. Uh, just an extraordinary scene that I really didn't... I, I, if you'd have told me this scene was going to be in here, I would have never anticipated that. Not mm. in a million years. Not in a million years. Uh, when Daisy and Gemma are about to get to the hangar and there's May sitting on a... <laughs> <laughs> a boatload of explosives. A ton of explosives, right. I'm like, yeah, well, good try, over, ladies, man. but game over. Yeah. 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 It yeah. wasn't until Colson walks in and the girls have escaped, and or fake Colson, LMD Colson walks in, uh, that we get this very haunting scene with Nay. Super haunting. Without being Showing, like like bloody the ring haunting, right? No, it's 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 haunting as as in when you think about an artificial intelligence having more humanity because it wasn't programmed to have the humanity. It was programmed to be its copy, but it fulfilled its mission. Now it's missionless, but it still has all of those memories. It still has all of those fake feelings in its programming. Oh, that's so well said. Whereas you have this this not Colson who knows he's an LMD who knows that what what he is and what his objective is to secure shield and replace everybody yeah robots yeah. will ro reign supreme and to actually see more humanity in a robot than we have seen from Melinda May in previous seasons i mean just think about it think about it. a very closed off character it goes back to me saying how, how awesome it is to actually be able to see an actress play on so many different levels with her own character to show us things that we've never seen. This is not the May that we know, but this is the May that we've always hoped lived inside that hard exterior warrior princess that's been running around for the last four seasons. And because she is a copy of May, we know that that is true. So in in a sense, May saved the day by being May. It just so happened to do it through a robot. Where our heroes live online. This dreamy little sequence that reminded me so much, especially with the musical voiceover of a variety of different films and television programs that I've seen before. In particular, reminds me of the dream sequence inside of Terminator 2. Mm. 
The difference is that there's no doom on the end of it. <laughs> right. Linda Hamilton doesn't turn into a yeah. screaming skeleton of ash. <laughs> All right. That whole thing inside of Terminator 2. Terminator 2 is a movie I think I could go back and review every year <laughs> because I always find something new to revel in and just wonder at inside of that film. It's, right. it's just so great. Anyway, this whole series of sequences of watching our heroes inside their brains as they lay absolutely silent and still with the possible exception of twitching every now and then is extraordinary. It's so well crafted. The music is perfectly chosen. The drift of camera inside of every single one of these scenes is absolutely perfect. The other thing that gets me too is the majesty of the choices made of what you see. Uh, in particular, when they pan out, what you see inside of May's brain is her serving in the Citadel. The difference, of course, is that the Citadel is not controlled by Hydra. All of that stuff, just uh, the, the imagery is so perfectly chosen inside of this incredibly short montage. It is, it's, it's not even a bookend. It's like this extra little book where they go, okay, we're ebbing to the end of the episode and, oh, wait a second here, hold on to this whole thick book that you're going to want to read really, really quick. I, I love it. I absolutely loved it. This was a classic tease from a comic book. I've I've read several comic books that after you're done maybe with a storyline or even even an issue and they'll give you a a glimpse of things to come and it'll be a splash page with a whole bunch of images just shoved together and you can you can make out little things where you're like whoa what whoa what is this and whoa, oh my gosh what is this uh, that's what this reminded me it also reminded me of uh, alternate realities you've got mm. because of Doctor mm. Strange and opening up that whole floodgate of parallel dimensions, a, mm -hmm. a multiverse. Yeah. This is a way to be able to do something akin to that without traveling to an actual alternate universe. Mm -hmm. It's a alternate universe of the mind. Because the framework, the framework is this reality now. We learned right before Ada slices Radcliffe and kills him off that by changing everybody, by by basically erasing the biggest regret everybody has uh, that they've they've replaced and then shoved them into the the framework, it has now created everybody's in the same world, and all of their regrets have been washed away. But with those regrets being washed away, this is the progression of what has happened to this timeline. Because Phil Coulson never became an agent of Shield. I can't really tell if Mac ever became an agent of Shield, but we know he has his daughter back. We don't know the state of May, her mental state. You know how happy or sad she is, but we know she's still an agent, an agent of Hydra, and we know that Daisy is also an agent of Hydra, along with her boyfriend, Grant Lincoln. Ward. No, no. Grant Ward. Grant frickin' Ward. <laughs> this is the culmination. I don't know if you ever read any of the what if comic books from oh, Marvel. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what this is, yeah. man. We're getting ready to walk into the what if yeah. storyline. And, and the what if storylines, for those of you that are curious, are epically what your buddies and you were talking about while you're riding bikes back when you were kids. Yeah. Where you go, dude, what if uh what if like Peter Parker was never bitten by a spider? Mm. 
All that shit happens inside what the White House. What if worked for the kingpin? Had vision. Oh, yeah. All of that. that. All of that stuff happens inside the What If comics. And, you know, just what another wonderful flavor that they'll be able to add into a universe that's already spiraling to success and hugeosity. I, I just, I, I love this whole thing. And in that haunting music that they've chosen to play behind all of it is just... It's so spectacular and absolutely juices you to what's going to happen next. Oh, yeah. How did Simmons and Daisy jack in? This is just the Mike Wilkerson nitpicker needing to throw a couple of of little body blows here as we end (laughs) out this episode. But if it was so easy to jack in, why, why hadn't they done this already to go ahead and figure it out? So it, it, it's, it's super simple. I get that we've got to have our two leftover heroes get there because they need to figure out where the bodies are. I get that. Mm-hmm. This was just a little bit weak on the front end in regard to, well, how'd you do that? Because why on earth, other than to get them in, would Ada LMD version 2 bother to somehow leave an, a, a port open? to allow them access except to take them. And I just, I, I, there isn't enough, maybe it's just because there's not enough time or explanation ability, but that they just were able to lay down in a room and has no technical ability. Woman can somehow oversee what's going on. Well, I, it wasn't it was just one, laying down in a room. It, it, it was, they did get some of the stuff from the previous installation yeah. from the episode before yeah. that is part of the framework. Fitz had already been working on things for the framework, not the big juicy framework that mm-hmm. all our characters are in. Yeah, I would like to believe that also, if there was a back door, because I don't remember them ever saying, "Hey, we found a back door, so we're going to slide in." I don't know if that was said. Well, that's kind of hack hackneyed right there. But I don't think I don't remember it. So I because if I if it happened, I think I would be bitching about it right now. Let me let me throw this out for you. What if our villain is so calculatingly arrogant to not believe that her plan would not succeed to where she did not have to worry about covering the back door. I get it, and I get robot cockiness. I I, I get that. And maybe it's just a a case of going back and rewatching the episode and watching the and and, and paying paying even more close attention to that ending. That is really what I need to do with this episode, too, because, again, just from what I saw when I wasn't taking notes, and I did take a lot of notes inside this one, Mm -hmm. uh, it's all just visually extraordinary. I mean, just every single scene, no matter where it is, no matter whom it is, it's just amazing. Um, But I did want to bring that in. That's actually where we ask you guys inside this episode. How do you think Simmons and Daisy jacked in let us know what you think by going over to our facebook presence facebook.com forward slash shield podcast click anywhere inside the threads that are there start your own and let us know what you think a superior visit to futurama (laughs) this is extraordinary and i know you weren't too taken by what happens with this the superior inside this episode but i have to tell you that the addition of having the decapitated head under glass moment <laughs> that is ripped absolutely straight from Futurama where the difference is that there's not 30 of them and half of them are ex-presidents is tremendous. It, it zooms off into this Flash Gordon-esque realm for me inside the end of this episode and I love where they take the now LMD-overed 
superior. I love the relationship and banter that the two of them have. And then they glide shortly over to the decapitated, bodiless head that is now propelling the LMD. Right. I, I think that that's extraordinary, and I love that. Uh, I mean, it opens up some doors. Uh, there, There's some chatter online that this could be the beginning of MODOK. Because anybody who reads the comic books, MODOK is this giant floating head in this robotic body kind of a thing. Ridiculous looking character, even by comic book standards. I, I don't believe that that's the case. What's really interesting about this whole situation is, is that the superior, his head is controlling the LMD. LMD. So this isn't a, I copied your memories and downloaded you into this robot body. This is your you. consciousness. You are controlling this robot body. This is brand new. Again, we had Ada, which was an artificial intelligence. Now we have the LMDs, which are copied intelligence from other people. Mm -hmm. Now we actually have somebody's consciousness controlling a robot. Yeah. This is going to open even more doors going forward if we continue to play in the the artificial intelligence technical realm of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I, I love what we're seeing here. I love the concepts. Uh, more importantly, I love the innovation that we see from a robot that you'd think would be, oh, yeah, nuts and bolts and building more robots. Gotcha. No, that is definitively not what we're being shown here. Well, it's, also, it's also very Frankenstein-esque again because yeah. it's almost as if Frankenstein has built a bride or a husband, if you want to, if you want to go that way, because the Frankenstein's monster right. has built well, that's the thing. a monster. The monster has built a monster because she wants to know about emotions, and the only way she's going to learn is if somebody who has emotions, remembers emotions, can teach her. So she she wants to evolve. That's the thing. She want, and that's dangerous. Super. When you actually have a machine that wants yeah. to continue to evolve, yeah, that's that's Skynet, man. That's game over. What does the future hold? Nick, I would like you to pause for a moment. We're going to leave this all inside the podcast. You're going to whip out your cell phone. You're going to open up the photograph that I just sent you. And I will entertain everyone with a version of Frere Jaca. A one and a two and a three. Frere Jaca, Frere Jaca. This is Returns a this April. Yeah. This is a screenshot that was on the the tail end of the episode that I caught in my DVR. Mm -hmm. Now I don't know if you saw this inside the presentation inside of Hulu. Yes, it's how, no? it's how the how it ended on on Hulu. Yeah. Okay, it did. Well, damn. I, I thought this was going to be a really fun revelation moment, but it's not, but that's okay, but I absolutely wanted to talk about this. Wow. <laughs> I thought you had me on the mid-spring break nest, blah, whatever we started with inside this episode where, oh, damn, I got, now I got to wait. But now not only do I got to wait, you've tantalized me with something completely outside the box, which, again, I, I, I was so worried when they started breaking it up into this sectionized storytelling thing right. that it would become this nightmarish, cheap-ass Super Mario boss-leveling bullshit. Yeah. None of that. No, no. None of that. This is the next, you get to ascend to the next level. It's do 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 And you're going to start a new level 
And it's not cheap. And it's not stupid. And it is at no time at all become bullshit. And so, again, I just have to stand up and applaud what we're seeing here on television where it crafts you and re- it requires you to then watch the next episode because it's going to be that good. Wow, you got me, Marvel. The only way that this can backfire is if the Hater. seven... No, 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 no. I, I find this very interesting. <laughs> but there's only seven episodes left. Too much thinking. There's seven episodes left. Are you going to be satisfied if all seven episodes take place in this Matrix framework? Is that going to make you happy? Or, or, is it, it going to be as spectacularly written like this? But none of it matters. You, you have to think about that. That's, that's the only downfall to a storyline that takes place in an alternate uh, reality. I, I disagree because somehow... Uh, and obviously, I'd, if I if I had my choice, no, I would not want it all to happen inside the the framework slash matrix for across seven episodes. No, but if that's what it takes to defeat the LMD, if that's the goal and what happens at the end, mm-hmm. I'm in. I'm in okay. like yeah, Flynn. I'm in. I, I, everybody knows I should be well, in. You but better I'm be. Saying, <laughs> think of it this way: How many characters do, that we have that don't know they're in the framework? We've got May. We've got Coulson. We've got Mac. We've got Fitz. And Mace. And Mace. So we have now have five of our main cast who don't know that they're in the framework. So they have to be rescued out. Is every episode going to be, okay, well, this week we're going to get this person uh, to wake up and realize they're in Wonderland. So that well, that's five so episodes the, right there. The, re- the reverse development of a team of heroes. Right. I'm in. I'm in. Okay. Sign me up. Okay. Okay. I'll take, I'll take the five episodes like that. Just like you said, like you said, where it's two heroes resurrecting the rest of five across five episodes, and then the last two dedicated to making sure that the LMD does not succeed. And then the very last episode of the season, they break out of the framework and take down the evil robot. All right, okay. I- I'm not saying that. I'm now not see, saying you, that it's going to be bad. I'm just saying you, it has the you, potential. You, it has the potential. You prognosticate like that, and that's why I don't. This show has been so awesome for so long. <laughs> This is the one thing that could derail it, though. I that's cannot wait. Pro- that's I what I'm worried about. I cannot wait for another seven episodes plus six weeks to talk about. I hope how I'm wrong. I awesome hope I'm wrong. This program. I really want to be wrong. I cannot wait for it. And that's where we ask you guys. What do you guys think about the? You know, I'm going to call this the not quite dirty dozen scenario because that's what it is. It's where we meet these. Extraordinary team of heroes, one by one, excise them from a bad situation, put them in as a team that then triumphs. What do you guys think about that as a as a future storyline? And remember, I'm not into the prognostication stuff. That dude over there is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Go over to our Facebook presence. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Click anywhere inside the threads that have already been made or make your own and tell us what do you think is going to happen towards the end of the season. Nick, we're running way long, but man, what a glorious long this is. Inside this episode review of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC, Season 4, Episode 15, Self-Control. Go and exhibit some self-control, perhaps, in the restroom while we take a break. We'll be right back. Wash your hands. Do you know if your state's in drought right now? Surprising to find out how many are. 
Join us on the Green Gap podcast with Mike Calignan of Green Builder Coalition, myself, Marla John Sesser, the Green Home Coach, and Tony Pratt of The Sound Room as we talk water efficiency and conservation on the Green Gap podcast at the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Do you like 24? It's not the way that it used to be. Actually, 24 Legacy sucks hardcore. Over at Two Guys Talking Podcast Network, we've got 24 Legacy Podcast, a podcast better than the actual show. Check out all the hijinks at 24podcast.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Being an outcast isn't something that all of us feel every now and then. It's been the subject of stories forever. Take, for example, the X-Men comic book series. In 1963, we were introduced to a number of characters that were different. Super strength, plasma bolts emitted from eye sockets, the ability to read minds, a man that could fly with angel's wings. In 2000, we were introduced to the X-Men on the silver screen. There, Professor X would teach not only his mutant students, but us, as viewers of film, what it meant to be a mutant. There have been more X-Men movies, and even another coming up. But where can you find the best discussion of all of the X-Men movies? Be sure to check out the X-Men Perspective Review Series at twoguystalking.com forward slash X-Men. Bullet point based detailed discussion from fans, fanboys, and mutants just like you. Join in the homo superior discussion at twoguystalking.com forward slash X-Men. That's the number two, guystalking.com forward slash X-Men. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Hey, 
Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC. This time, Season 4, Episode 15, Self-Control. Every time Nick and I come back from break, we break out our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. Our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers is where Nick and I take a moment to recognize a great actor portrayal, a scene inside this particular episode, or something else that tripped our collective review night fantastic. Nick, what do you got? My dossier this episode is filled with the horror of it all. Now, most people may or may not know. I am the host of Two Guys Talking Horror right Mm -hmm. here on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Mm Mm-hmm. And I am a huge fan of everything horror-related, from the extremely grotesque to the absolute just laugh-out-loud funny. But one of the things that always gets me where horror is concerned is the human condition. You don't need a big, giant monster with a machete running after you through the woods. The real monster is people. Even worse, the real monster is yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. And this episode has all of that in spades. Specifically, the scenes between Gemma and Fitz, and then Gemma and Daisy. The horror of not knowing who to trust, but then not even knowing if you can trust yourself. Mm -hmm. That is truly horrifying for me. And I know we talked about it during the episode, but I had to bring it up more here because... If there was ever a a section that you just cut out of this show and show to somebody else and say, hey, you want to see something that deserves recognition on a grander scale? Like, oh, let's say an Emmy. Look at this. (laughs) This is better than some of the stuff that they're putting on cable networks where they've got all the money to throw around on special effects and big name actors and and everything else like that. Mm -hmm. Genre shows, unless you're on a cable network like HBO with Game of Thrones, it seems like you're not going to get any kind of recognition. I don't understand why. I don't know why this show is not getting more attention than it is. I totally agree. It's absolutely crazy. It's mind-boggling. And I could go back on the the four seasons of this show. There's plenty of moments to just just pluck right out and go, hey, look at this. Don't you think this is awesome? Why aren't more people watching this? Why aren't more people talking about this? Why aren't the cinematic movies talking about this? Sorry to bring that up yet again. (laughs) My giant pet peeve where Marvel is concerned in general. But anyway, I love that a ABC comic book TV show has the ability to not only give us compelling characters and awesome storytelling, but then also can weave in fantasy, science fiction, and moments of horror. And that is my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier. Wow. I don't even know how I follow up that. You're so incredibly right on with all of those remarks. The, The ability for this television show to continually craft itself into another ice cream store that has another 31 flavors and are you ready for some more? Mm. I love that. I love that aspect of this television show. I think my dossier this week has got to include 
the impassioned plea of Daisy and Simmons. We talked a lot about this already inside this episode, but I wanted to go back and revisit it because especially two women eventually getting into a very close embrace is another moment inside of any television process or feature film that could go incredibly wrong Mm -hmm. for a variety of different reasons, not just the ones you all are thinking about. And it doesn't, it is so magical. It, it instantly warms everybody in a warm blanket as they provide the undulation of the, the, the quaking warp sound in, inside of this episode. It is magical for me. It, it's, a, it's a transformative moment for both of those two heroes. It allows them to not only ascend to another echelon of acting inside of this, this television show as those characters, but it allows them to bond and move forward and draw strength from each other to help defeat a larger evil. Mm. It, it's it's extraordinary. It's a, it's a wonderful scene. It's way too short, but that it has that much impact on me is just extraordinary. And that's where we ask you guys, what's inside your shield dossier? Let us know what you thought was extraordinary or deserved some extra comment here inside this episode of the Agents of Shield podcast by going over to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast click anywhere inside any of the threads there or start your own and let us know what's inside your shield dossier nick it all comes down to this the rating for this episode of agents of shield season four episode 15 self-control the scale works thusly 10 is on top a wonderful, warm embrace proving that you are not an LMD. A one would be a knife slitting your wrists. Definitely not a good day. Everything starts at a seven. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And by the way, Nick, there are no habsies. What do you got, Nick? Once in a generation, <laughs> a television show comes up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I always find it difficult when we come to the rating section, not not because of the rating itself, but the lead up to the rating. How much more do I have to say about this show to let people know that, oh, my God, I love this show? I mean, I don't know. I'm not blowing smoke up on anybody's ass, but I'm also not kissing this show's ass either. I'm not making any money off of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Phil Coulson doesn't show up every week and give me a check. check. Hey, thanks for thanks for uh, giving us some good publicity. No, I get none of that. I get none of that. <laughs> I watch this show because I love it. I do this podcast because I love it. Even when the show has its down moments, I still love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really, the only thing that was wrong with this episode is a handful of tiny little nitpicks that really, once you take the episode as a whole... Well, they cancel themselves out anyway, except for maybe the how did they how did Gemma and Daisy get into the matrix? I'm sorry, the framework. But that again, that's probably just us needing to go back and rewatch the episode mm-hmm. to clarify that maybe mm-hmm. we were just so jazzed at all the awesomeness that was being bombarded into our our optic nerves that we kind of just glossed over that part, going like, "Wow, we're in the afterglow. We were in the afterglow of of the episode." Ten. 10. This is a 10 episode. This is a 10 season. I mean, unless they come back after their break and totally screw things up in the last seven episodes, 
this is a 10 season and it's a 10 episode and I'm just going to keep on saying 10 10 10 10 <laughs> what else can I say 10 <laughs> you know I've, I, I, let I, me just ramble <laughs> I, I would be happy to stretch this podcast out another six or seven minutes but 10 10 <laughs> I, I I can this show continually mars my brain that we can have something this great and satisfying yeah and we do. It's yet another week where, hey, 10. <laughs> so that's where we ask you guys, what did you think of this episode? I'm guessing a 10 also, but maybe we've been wrong before. Yeah, sure. And there are many perspectives inside you, the cone of Marvel fans. If you and don't think it was a 10, tell us why it's not a 10. Absolutely, absolutely. And a great place to start that is by going over to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Click on any of the threads that are there and tell us what you thought of this episode or start up your own and start your own thought about this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 10. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Ten, ten. Double ten. Twenty. It's a Twenty. 20. We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication, reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately, facebook.com forward slash S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, to be the first to be made aware of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. Podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End this top secret two guys talking communication.
Be sure to check that out. Silence your phone! Oh, sorry, man. Sorry, dude. Silence, Silence your, your phone! phone. <laughs> <laughs> Says it there. Right there. What are you blind? Oh, wait, sorry. Okay. Says it over there. Tiny pitch, little pitch no. blackness. The only thing I see in here is like <laughs> a kind of glare off of your face and this screen. That's it's it. I see nothing else. My All right. Face. Your face. Screw face. Remember that movie? I'm sorry. Screw face. Do you remember that one? Screw you remember that movie? Face? No. Yeah. Um, Don't know what that oh, is. Oh, I think that was Predator Two. Predator. Yeah, Screw Face. The the hell did that happen in Predator Two? Or three? <laughs> Must have been three. No. Predators. No, Predator Two was Predator Two. Screw Screw face. He's the guy that gets. He's the the. Oh, you're talking about Jamaican the Jamaican Don. drug lord the yes, guy yes. who gets his head cut off by yes. the predator man. Screwface man. Screwface. Okay. <laughs> oh, we got on that. All right, here. What the hell are we? Uh, 